This special New Hampshire Business Review presidential primary podcast is sponsored by Bernstein Schur. We're attorneys, but we're people first. Hi, I'm Mike Cody, editor of New Hampshire Business Review. Welcome to our Down to Business podcast, primary edition. I'm here with Ernesto Burton, our publisher, and our guest today is former governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. Thank you for being with us, Governor. It is great to be in New Hampshire today. Thanks for this opportunity. And I, I thought I'd start because, you know, we had we had uh, fun back in August during the time we talked during an impromptu interview with a prepared and backroom restaurant. Uh, you said that Donald Trump's high ranking in the polls was a bit artificial and he called it a very frail lead. Uh, what do you make of Trump's continued grip over the Republican well, I still believe it's going to go down, but for sure uh, it has been consistent for some time in terms of his lead. And, uh, you know, it's going to be both up to the candidates who make the case that we need to go a different direction than Donald Trump, uh, but it's also about the voters, and they just have to decide what's the right direction for our country. And I believe as you get closer to decision point, uh, those numbers will change, particularly uh, in Iowa and here in New Hampshire. But uh, he's got a lead right now, and uh, everybody else is in single digits, and we're scrapping to uh, make the case, and I continue to do that and think it's important. That's why I'm here, and that's why I'm making this uh, this race. And along the same lines, you're scrapping to make the case. Uh, you were excluded from those recent presidential primary debate. What message would you have delivered were you on the stage that night? You know, I would have delivered this message, and that is that Trump's economic plan is disastrous for America. Uh, he has proposed a 10% across-the-board tariff for every good or product that comes in the United States of America, and he actually calls it a ring around our economy. He goes back to protectionist uh, policy of a tariff for our friends and allies as well as our adversaries for products coming to the United States, the Tax Foundation says that will cost uh, the American consumer $300 billion in a tax, and that's whenever uh, we have inflation right now, it would increase that inflationary pressure enormously. It is disastrous policy for America, and he's basically saying we can't compete, so you got to protect our industries. We can compete, and uh, we don't want to isolate the United States of America, and that's the direction he comes. So that's a tough message, but it is very important for New Hampshire businesses, uh, for uh, our uh, businesses across America, that uh, we don't have that kind of uh, tariff that would, would actually lead to a disastrous economic result. Another issue we talked about back in August are the workforce shortages that have hurt New Hampshire and the rest of the country. And we talked about what you might, you would consider doing to help fix that. You know, there's a, a couple things that are very, very important. Uh, one of them is, uh, and, and we, first of all, the need is great. You look at the reduced workforce since we uh, came out of the pandemic, uh, that's a struggle for our businesses all across the board. We need workers. And here in, uh, you look in New Hampshire, in uh, 2019, you had uh, 194,000 workers that were not employed. They were over 55, and that has increased to 234,000 after the pandemic. And so that's a 40,000 increase of unemployed of those ages over 55. In other words, they left the workforce. So 
One of the reasons they leave the workforce is they're ready to take Social Security. They can slow down a little bit. They're ready to continue working, but uh, they don't want to take that penalty. So I want to eliminate the penalty on Social Security uh, recipients ages 62 to 66. They're penalized for working right now. That would bring people, give them the option of continuing in the workforce without penalty. Obviously, from these statistics, that would help you in New Hampshire and our small businesses. Secondly, uh, when we look at the challenges of immigration, uh, you know, we've got to make sure that we control our border. And we don't want anyone coming to the United States of America without authority. But I would like to allocate two governors, have a state-based visa program, where they can say we need workers in the healthcare industry or we need workers in construction or in food service. And so they can provide for uh, a visa program under federal authority. We do this for employers. Let's give the states the ability to manage this program that would help uh, their workforce, that would help them to uh, be able to meet the needs of their industry in particular ones. Federal Reserve has been hiking interest rates, trying to curb inflation. Inflation continues to chomp at people's uh, savings and ability to buy things. But yet, the, the economy is not in recession yet. Uh, employers are continuing to hire people. So it seems to be a little bit of a mystery. What's, what's the right recipe for our economy right now? Well, you can look at it from an economic standpoint and try to figure it out and say what's happening. But it's not hard to understand when you talk to American families. <laughs> they just simply have higher costs of goods uh, in the store. It's harder to provide for their families, and uh, their wages have not kept up with the inf inflation. And so that's what they see every day. And sure, we can uh, say we got low unemployment rates and businesses are still hiring, but the fact is uh, families are struggling because of the inflation. And so that's what has to be addressed. And uh, you do it by uh, getting at the root cause of inflation, which is excessive printing of money in Washington, D.C. And that's happened. And uh, that needs to stop. And we need to move forward a balanced budget again. Uh, so that's exactly what would be done. We would curtail uh, that federal spending that would tell the feds then uh, we got uh, inflation under control, stop raising the interest rates, and that would help the American family. Governor, one of the places that um, inflation seems most out of control at the moment, and in particular here in New Hampshire, is in the housing market. And uh, that, that, of course, is also a workforce issue. What do you think the solution is to that, both nationally and, and what, you know, what should be happening in states like New Hampshire, where housing prices are, are skyrocketing? Well, that's where you need to say and recognize that the federal government can't solve all the problems. Uh, but it is a serious issue, not just here in New Hampshire, but across uh, the country. But I was in a, a factory here, and uh, the workers raised that issue to me. I mean, it was actually a mental health issue for them that they could not afford housing, and they were bunking together. And so uh, you've got to do this by... Uh, local initiatives in terms of encouraging uh, affordable housing. Uh, that happens through uh, making sure you got a, a favorable regulatory environment uh, as well as uh, the right zoning requirements. Uh, and then secondly, uh, it's about the workforce and making sure that we can uh, build the houses that we need. 
The federal government does have a role, I believe, because we already have a program for first-time home buyers. We want people to own their homes in America and young couples to have that opportunity. So one, lower uh, the interest rates. Uh, and then secondly, uh, let's make sure we utilize those programs that help those first-time home buyers. And I'm committed to make sure those are robust and helpful. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Bernstein Schur, one of Northern New England's largest law firms. Located in Manchester's historic Jefferson Mill Building on the Merrimack River since 2003, Bernstein Schur's New Hampshire team offers comprehensive, full-service, expert counsel to a wide variety of clients in New Hampshire. Bernstein Schur, here for you. What would you consider your most important achievements as governor, and how would they help you lead the nation? You know, the most important principle that I followed as governor was I wanted the private sector of the economy to grow faster than the government sector. And with that fundamental principle, we lowered taxes, we reduced regulations, we created 100,000 jobs, and we reduced state employment by state government employment by 3,000 workers. And that's the mindset I have as going in as president as well. I want the private sector, the economy, to grow faster than the government sector. And, uh, and we're going to reduce uh, uh, the federal employment by federal government employment, non-defense area, by 200,000 workers. That's a 10% reduction. Uh, it's a good start. Uh, but whenever you look at my role as uh, governor, I'm very proud of what we did in terms of the economy, lowering taxes, left a balance. We had a balanced budget for eight years and left a $2 billion surplus uh, for my successor. That's how we need to manage government. But I'm very proud of the fact also that we led the nation in computer science education. I said we need to uh, increase the availability of computer science STEM education in our schools across the board. And so we have more than 90% of our high schools and our schools that offer computer science compared to 51% nationally. And we went from 1,100 students taking computer science to over 23,000. And so as president, I want to take that model and say we're going to have over 90% of our schools in America, actually all of them, uh, that offer those kind of advantages to our students, computer science, and that impacts our rural schools, our urban schools, and it helps us to compete with China in terms of technology. That's uh, one of the things I want to do, and we illustrated it by that's what I did in Arkansas. One, um, one, one just follow-up question on the uh, reduction of workforce in, in government. Do you, do you have some specific areas that you would target there? Like, where does that come out of? Well, great question. And of course, first, it's non-defense. I'm clear on that. And then uh, you've got to look at uh, the needs that we have. Uh, you know, uh, Border Patrol, for example, that's an area that we're probably going to have to strengthen rather than reduce. Air traffic controllers is another example where uh, we can't reduce uh, their services because they actually need to enhance that. And so that's why it has to be a targeted approach. And I want to empower uh, my uh, secretaries, my cabinet, uh, my agency directors uh, to manage it. And sometimes they're going to make a case. We need more in the Border Patrol that covers uh, the northern sector of New Hampshire. 
<laughs> and uh, then uh, air traffic controllers might make the case, but there's going to be others that we're going to be able to reduce. One of them, I think, is in uh, federal law enforcement. You've got 90 federal law enforcement agencies with overlapping jurisdiction, all with arrest authority and gun-toting authority. And uh, that's an area where uh, we could do some streamlining, uh, and, and I think that's a reasonable approach that I have. There's many other areas that can be done as well. Whenever you're looking at the regulatory environment at the, uh, uh, some of our agencies, that can be reduced. And so that's about management. It's targeting. It's being smart and being realistic. These candidates come out and say, we're going to reduce federal employment by 75%. Uh, they're going to endanger everyone. Uh, you can't uh, protect your border if you're going to do that. You can't uh, have safe, uh, safe airlines if you do that. Do you see technologies like artificial intelligence assisting in that reduction? I, I do. Uh, now, you know, it's interesting. I'm the only candidate for president that's used AI. Uh, so we, you can go to askasa.us and, and you can ask any question and we've got an AI response, which means it's accumulated uh, uh, things that I've said during the campaign in my public life and it's got those parameters and it will compile uh, the answer from what I've already said. So it's realistic, somewhat limited. We're learning from that. It's an interesting tool. It's not perfect. Uh, you know, I asked uh, AI my aides the other day, and they gave me a 10-year break. So, you know, I, I like that. But, you know, it's, it's not perfect. Uh, but you learn from that. And the same thing is true in terms of delivering services. We need to util utilize technology for it, just like we've really emphasized online services in the rural areas of New Hampshire. If they can uh, you know, do their government services online, that's a great benefit to them. It saves them getting in the car and spending gas money. Uh, so we want to be able to do that, but it also helps us in terms of uh, controlling the growth of the federal government. So you want to be careful about it, but obviously you want to use technology. But you look at how many people uh, that leave the workforce uh, in terms of government employment, uh, it's not a matter of firing people. It's a matter of saying when they leave, is there a better way to do this? Can we, uh, you know, cover their services in different ways? Is that job needed? That's what we did in Arkansas. We didn't fire anybody. We just, through attrition, said, let's, let's limit. We eliminated 3,000 jobs. So if I use AI, what would it say if I asked, how will Asa Hutchinson unite the country? Well, it should have an answer for that. So that's a, that's a good test. And, and the answer is it's about leadership. Uh, you know, we are a divided country today. And what you see in Congress is the worst illustration of it, but it's also reflective of America. And so, you know, to change things, it takes America to change it, and leadership impacts uh, how people think and how they respond to issues. And so we've always had division in our country, but we've also had leaders, presidents and leaders that stood up and say, let's rise above the division. Uh, regretfully, today we have leaders that make money on division, uh, that believe they can win on division and dividing us further. And so that's not my style of leadership. That's not what America needs. And, and uh, that's a very important start uh, to healing our country and bringing us closer together. And taking that globally, 
What does that leadership mean when we're talking about the Ukraine and, and now what's happening in the Middle East with Israel? Well, you know, my heart goes out to Israel, anyone who sees the uh, civilians that have been captured, that have been murdered uh, through this horrendous attack. Uh, you rise up and you want to support Israel as they respond, and they understand they have to do that. And the same thing is, is true in Ukraine. You had freedom-loving people that valued their sovereignty, that was attacked by an oppressor, and we uh, stand with them, uh, not with our men and women in uniform, but through uh, being able to support them militarily uh, through equipment. And so I support that, and obviously we have to even engage uh, uh, with Israel and support them in what they are doing. Now, uh, today uh, there's controversy over Ukraine particularly because people get weary uh, and uh, you know we have needs in this country, and that's the argument. But we're a great country, and uh, we can support our friends and allies, and at the same time secure our border. It's not an either or. It's let's we've got to do them. They're both critical to uh, the freedoms that we have and what America stands for. I can't imagine America abandoning those that support freedom, and uh, that is. What America represents, and that's part of our character. And, and as a president, uh, I would make the case uh, more clearly to the American public as to why this engagement uh, overseas is important. The Israel uh, issue seems complicated only in that there are civilians on both sides who are suffering. What's, what's the broader solution to that that really takes care of everybody who's involved in, in that situation? Well, civilians always suffer during times of war, and uh, that's the essence of it. But whenever you see Hamas coming into Israel and targeting civilians, that's different than whenever you, uh, you know, bomb a place that's the Hamas headquarters and civilians are uh, casualties of that because Hamas has put them in the position of danger. And so... Uh, this is, uh, you know, no one should be targeting civilians, but the civilians will uh, be suffering uh, any time during the time of war. Uh, that's been true in World War II. That's been true throughout uh, history. And so it's not going to be different, and that's why it's going to be very difficult in the world community with our level of communication and, and information flow. We're going to see it too personally, very Personally, and it's going to uh, put pressure on Israel to slow down. They're going to get a lot of criticism for what they're going to have to do uh, in uh, uh, the Hamas region. And so this is a very dangerous time. This is where steady minds need to be uh, in the White House, in the leadership of our country, not hotheads, and, uh, and, and because lives are at stake, but also the survivability of a race is at stake here uh, with the Jewish people. And on that note, uh, you've just talked about some very complicated, difficult challenges. Why would you want to be president of the United States? Well, because I care about this country, just like patriots who volunteered after 9-11 cared about this country, and they were called to duty. And 
you know, for me, I've been blessed with experience in Congress as governor, prosecutor, uh, head of the DEA. These are experiences that are irreplaceable. I've, I've, uh, I've had to deal with issues in times of crisis in our country, after the 9-11 attack, uh, dealing with the cartel uh, in Mexico, uh, having to face terrorists uh, when I was a United States attorney in an armed standoff. So I've dealt in times of crisis, and it's not unusual uh, for me to have to make those tough decisions. Uh, and that experience is critically important for our country. And it's also, it's important to know how to listen, uh, to know how to uh, put the country above yourself. And uh, that's this the history of our leadership in our country, and I believe I can offer, I know I can offer that at a time of need in the United States. Thank you, Governor Hutchison. The, um, it makes me think of, uh, there was a Politico profile on you recently, and, and one of the pictures within the profile was you walking with President Reagan. Um, you probably read that one. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it made me think when I was reading it, though, that, that that Republican Party seems like a very different Republican Party than we're seeing today. And the kind of leadership that you're describing right now uh, is a very different kind of leadership than what seems to be uh, making things happen within that party. Um, what's your opinion on that? And Ian, is, that, is, is there demand for that kind of leadership right now? Or do people want what's happening to continue happening? Well, your assessment is correct. Uh, the... Uh, Donald Trump has changed the Republican Party, uh, and, and he's changed politics, and now it is about division. Uh, it is about uh, anger. It's about revenge, and uh, that's not healthy for America. And so I'm fighting in this campaign, not just for the direction of America, but for the direction of the Republican Party. And uh, I think we need a course correction. Uh, we'll see whether that message resonates uh, whether it makes a difference, but if you don't engage in the in the fight, uh, you're destined to lose from the beginning. And to me, it's worth fighting for, and uh, that's what I'm doing. And it's not it's not about you know Reagan had it perfect. It's about the future. It's about taking principles and applying them uh, to uh, the future of our country to solve problems. That's what I'm about is the future, and I have an optimistic view of America if we have the right leadership. And any parting thoughts that you have as we conclude our podcast? I just love uh, being here in New Hampshire and uh, looking forward to uh, the fall foliage, which I've never had the privilege of seeing before here in New Hampshire. we got some pretty good fall foliage in Arkansas, but it comes later. And uh, I, I know it's, uh, it's equally matched uh, or exceeded by the beauty here in New Hampshire. So glad to be here today with you. Thank you, Governor Hutchinson. And that concludes our Down to Business podcast. Thanks so much. That was great. Thank you. Thank yes. you.